favor over the teaching. Um, Abba, Father, thank you for every person that's here. And I beg you, please, in the name of your son, Jesus, would you bless? Give us, uh, give us discerning hearts and help us to truly get what your word is saying and what it means to live out the gospel. Uh, thank you that each person is here. It means so much. And thank you for Avery Rasnick and her faith. Bless now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Everybody turn to Genesis 50. Genesis 50. And we're going to look at this closing section uh, of the Hebrew uh, paragraph here and look at what, what's going on. We're going to start at verse 15. And if you remember, Jacob, also known as Israel, is now buried. And they've, they've all migrated back to Egypt. And in verse 15, the scripture says, When Joseph's brothers had seen that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back in full for all the wrong which we did to him? Revenge. So they send instructions to Joseph. They send a mediator to Joseph saying, your father commanded us before he died saying, this is what you shall say to Joseph. Please forgive, I beg you, the offense of your brothers and their sin for they did, not, they did you wrong. How's that for lyrics to a country song? They did you wrong. And now please forgive the offense of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in God's place? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to keep many people alive. So therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. So he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Now Joseph stayed in Egypt. He and his father's household and Joseph lived 110 years. Joseph saw the third generation of Ephraim's sons also the sons of Machir, the son of Manasseh, who were born on Joseph's knees. Pop quiz, what does it mean to be born on Joseph's knees? It means he adopted them. These are kids he adopted. How's that for grace? He adopted these kids. Joseph said to his brothers, now can you appreciate this? Joseph is dying. <laughs> and the, uh, Lee, the last thing you say in ancient literature, how you die, how you die, and what you say during the death process reveals what's in your heart. They believe that is one of the biggest CAT scans of your life that you're going to get. And look what he says on his deathbed. He says, God will assuredly take care of you and bring you up from this land to the land which God promised on oath to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, make a vow saying, God will assuredly take care of you 
and you shall carry my bones up from here. So Joseph died at the age of 110 years, and they embalmed him and placed him in a coffin in Egypt. Wow. I want to comment on a couple things, and then we're going to show you, I'm going to work through how this relates to resurrection. First of all, um, verse 16, or 15 rather, Joseph's brothers realized, boy, if there's a chance for revenge, now is the time. And they're worried, is Joseph holding a grudge? And was Joseph being good to us because dad was still alive? Now that dad's gone, this is the time to get revenge. And so they sent instructions. They found a servant and they sent instructions to Joseph saying, quote unquote, your father commanded us before he died to say to you, this is what you shall say to Joseph. Please forgive, I beg you, the offense of your brothers and their sin, for they did you wrong. Now please forgive their offense of the servants of the God of your father. Guess what? Edie, what do you think? Did they make that up? Absolutely. That is not recorded. I was looking at the Mishnah, which is an ancient Jewish commentary on, on Torah. And all the rabbis say the same thing. It's not recorded. They made it up. <laughs> you think they're still manipulating? What do you think? Still, still trying to work this situation? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, let's be fair. Have you ever, have you ever had those moments when, when um, you say to your aging parents, Mom, what do you want for your birthday? Dad, what do you want? Come on, Dad. Grandpa, what do you want, Papa? And, and they go, I just want my kids to get along. That's all I want. You, know? you appreciate that, right? Why can't you be nice to each other? Okay. Was that in Jacob's heart? Like, come on, guys. Come on, boys. Let's get along. I, I, I get Yes. That makes sense. That, that Jacob would want there to be a spirit of forgiveness and reconciliation in the family. But the fact is, it's not recorded. Jacob didn't say it, as far as we know. And the boys, the boys say that. When Joseph heard that, he cried, he wept. The heart of Joseph is so tender. Wow. And then... That, you know, they sent the service to kind of check it out. Is it going to be safe? <laughs> they didn't want to waltz in knowing that Joseph could, could uh, order him to be arrested and punished. So they sent the servant in to do a little recon, give that message. They find out that they're safe and they come in. And the first thing his brothers say is, we're your servants. Wow, we are your servants. Let's get right to it. Do you think uh, Joseph said, hmm, I had a dream that y'all bound down to me a long time ago. I dreamed. I bet he did. But he never threw it in their face. You ready? Buckle up. When the grace of God is real in you, you don't manipulate and you don't throw anything in somebody's face. When the grace of God, as revealed in his son Jesus Christ, is real inside of you, you don't weaponize history. You don't weaponize things that were said in the past. You don't weaponize a sin against you. 
takes some guts to do that, by the way. Because some of us, me included, are very skilled at holding a grudge. I just covered up really well. I'm good at my craft. I can keep a score. Ooh, are you that way too? Or am I just the only one out here being vulnerable? <laughs> Come on, thank you. Thank you. I, my self-esteem just took a big hit right now. Um, yeah, but it's true. I mean, I can keep a score. You know that whole thing about true love? You know, 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love, and, love doesn't keep what? Joseph wept. And Joseph said, Do not be afraid. For am I in God's place? I have to appreciate a little bit of uh, rhetoric here. Um, Moms, how about this? Have you ever been in a situation where you're disciplining your child? Greg, I know your son is an amazing son. And maybe you had to discipline him. Now and again, maybe. Did you ever say... Do you not realize I'm the dad? Question mark. Do you not understand I'm the dad? Moms, have you done it? Because I'm the mommy, right? Ain't, aren't I your mother? Question mark. When you phrase that kind of a question, am I not your dad? Am I not your mother? The, the answer is always in the positive. It's a type of device known as rhetoric. So Joseph does that. He goes, am I, am I in God's place? And the answer is, Yes, you are. <laughs> Absolutely, yes, you are. In fact, God orchestrated this whole thing to get a 17-year-old kid out of the promised land, out of Judea, to get him in the most brutal and abusive way through human trafficking, Tony. Human trafficking is in the Bible. And then get him all the way down to Egypt where he's sold back and forth among human traffickers and he ends up on the auction block and some guy named Potiphar who just happens to be the chief bodyguard to the Pharaoh, buys Joseph. And God is weaving together an amazing story. So when Joseph says, I know why I'm here. I know exactly that I am in, in fact, God's place. Everybody, turn over to, to Genesis 45. This is amazing. Genesis 45 Joseph actually says the same things, the same kind of things. Look at verse 5. He says to his brothers, do not be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here because God sent me ahead of you. We've got two ways to look at this problem. Y'all abused me, y'all sold me, or God sent me here and I got a free ride to Egypt. One reveals bitterness, one reveals grace. Verse 7, God sent me ahead of you to ensure for you a remnant on the earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Now, therefore, it was not you who sent me here, but God. Am I not in God's place? Yes, yes, you are. So, therefore, do not be afraid. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. Wow, that's grace. So don't be afraid. I love, I love the, the final few verses. 
You'd think Joseph, he, Joseph could have said a lot of things on his deathbed. But he said, promise me you will hold to the truth that God will take care of you. He makes some vow. Promise me you will lock onto that thing that God will take care of you. Why would he say that? Somebody, why would he say that? Lock it down. Assuredly. Um, that's a faith statement. Sure enough, sure enough, truly, truly. God's going to take care of you. Why would he say that on his deathbed? Somebody, why? Great. Because life circumstances cause you to doubt or, or you just forget. You know, yeah. It's just kind of like, you're not seeing God do like a great trial or just a great hindrance or just destruction, something that's just like your humanity will sometimes try to raise yes. up, push God way in the back. Way in the back, yeah, yeah. Because you're looking more at not God, but the situation. That's so good, Chan. I think because they might become afraid that God's going to punish them by holding sure. grudge. Sure, there you go. Anybody else? <laughs> what about Joseph's life? What's his life story? Andrew. Well, it's parallel from when Jesus was getting ready to leave the disciples. I'm going to leave you, but I'll send the Holy Spirit. Joseph has been their protector. He's leaving. He's not going to be there to Yes. I'm going to send you. A, that's so good, Andrew. Thank you. Thank you. What about this? Assuredly, did God take care of Joseph? He's just telling a story. After all that I've been through, being sold back and forth, the mess that I went through, and God had his hand in all of that, I assure you, God was taking care of me. Even in the middle of my suffering, God was taking care of me. And I assure you that God will take care of you. And the promise that he made to Abraham and to Isaac and to dad, to Jacob, it's still true. Lock on to it. You will become a nation and you will take the promised land. It's going to happen. How's that for grace? They placed his coffin in Egypt. Do you think Joseph, do you think his heart was in Egypt? What do you think? It doesn't say they took his bones back, does it? It doesn't say so. All right. I want you to turn. Let's turn to Acts chapter 2. Let's go to Acts chapter 2. This is so good. I want you to see something. Acts 2. Pentecost has come. The Holy Spirit came and uh, rested like tongues of fire over these people gathered in the upper room praying. And the Holy Spirit is now empowering men and women, not just men, to get the gospel out to the four corners of the earth. And Peter, being one of those people, he starts to preach. It's like his first sermon. And Peter says in chapter 2, verse 22, Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus, the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs, which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. This man, delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. Sounds like there's a plan. You nailed a cross. By the hands of godless men. That's a reference to the Romans. 
and put him to death. But God raised him from the dead, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. Do you see the the Joseph story there? What you meant for evil, God meant for good. Starting at Genesis 3.15, God announces that Satan will start a war with the seed of Eve. And Satan has been after women and children ever since. All right? Satan means it for evil, and yet God meant it for good. God knew he had a plan long ago to send his son to die for us so that we would not be condemned to hell in eternity. All right. The resurrection gives hope. God can make alive dead things. God can make alive dead things. That includes relationships. That includes marriage. That includes the human heart. God can make alive dead things. And God, Romans 8, 28, God is causing all things to work together for good according to his purpose. Now, Paul writes, it's interesting, Paul, Paul is, the, is the, the writer in the New Testament that says, now that Jesus resurrected from the dead, how are we going to live? What difference is it going to make in your life? And Paul says that we carry about in our bodies the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus might be evident. All right. You're the church. You're the body of Christ. If you're born again, the Holy Spirit's inside of you. You're gifted. We may hear prophetic words this morning. We may hear merciful words, encouraging words, discerning words this morning. Here's the question. If you can understand and get your heart and mind around the idea that what Satan or people mean for evil, God can take it and use it for good. What has to happen in our hearts for that to become real? What's got to happen in our hearts for that to become real? The enemy intends evil, but God intends good. What's got to happen inside of us for that to be real? What do you think? Anybody? It's good to see you, Tina. Thank you. Faith. Faith. Yeah. Yeah. Faith in what? Let's push that idea a little bit. Faith in what? Yeah. Okay. Changes, changes everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. It's not just acknowledging God. It's got to be more than that. By the way, uh, there's a writer, an essayist. Uh, he, he, there's an article about him in the New York Times. The guy's name is 
is Shalom Aslander. It's Aslander. It's an unusual name, Jewish name. Shalom Aslander. And he right now is famous because he has recanted his, Jew, his Jewish faith. He's atheist now. Okay. And he believes that all gods should be dead. That's a fight we can get behind, he says. But if there's a God, let's kill it. Let's get behind that one. In fact, he says, uh, he says, Tony, that, that what God did to Egypt, the ten plagues, is identical to what Russia is doing to Ukraine. Punishment, punishment, punishment. That's what, what Shalom, by the way, Shalom, Hebrew scholars, what does it mean? Boy, isn't that ironic that he's saying that? You know, his name is Peace. So, yeah, you know, you can, we can take this stuff, we can deconstruct it, and say it's a bunch of religious garbage from a bunch of nut jobs, you know, back in the sandbox, you know, a couple thousand years ago. There's no faith in that. And if you want to do science to document God, hey, that's my backyard. Come talk to me. We'll talk about science. Well, we can deal with that. God Almighty sent his son for God so loved the world, right? That whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. You can't just acknowledge there's a God. The, devil, the demons do that one, right? They tremble at his name. They tremble. Somebody else? Not Melissa? Regardless of how we see it, mm-hmm. yes. we can either see that or we cannot see it. But yeah. you do it. So yeah. I'm so happy about that. <laughs> Me too. So Me. It's, also, it's, it's interesting that what Joseph says to his brothers is the promise. Yes. He, he tells them the promise. He's been, he's, he's been present a bunch and all that. But he knows the promise. Yes. And he tells them, there's a promise, guys. You know, you're not staying here. Yeah. And so it, it, I think in those really tough times, yes. it's really important to know the promise. Yeah. And it's so striking that the one who was abused the most speaks most clearly about grace. Yeah. Yeah. David? There's something I think is really beautiful, too. At the end of what he said, God planned it to be good, uh, be good for the survival of many people. Yeah. yeah. What did Christ do and still is doing? Yes. He came not to, not to persecute and destroy, but he came to save. Yes, yes. And that's, I mean, that's, that, like I said, it's a foreshadowing all the way back. All the foreshadowing. That's a good word. All Very good word. Here. Yeah, David, thank you. Yeah, exactly. Anybody else on why this matters? Yeah. Anybody? Okay. Um, yes. Jenny. You know, I've been thinking recently um, about people that believe in other beliefs and different paganistic religions. And the thing that has come to my mind, one of the many things that convinces me that this is the right faith and the right belief system is the fact that these other paganistic gods, they sacrifice humans. But our yeah. God died for us. To save humans. To save humans. Yeah, that's so beautiful. But thank you, Janice. Yes. Um, he came to seek and save that which was lost. Absolutely. Chris, um, yes, sir. To, um, in every story of scripture where people have found life in God, they've realized that they don't do things for God. God does things for them. Yes. And um, 
to Joseph. It's, he didn't. He fell into slavery, but God delivered him from that. And Joseph didn't come with a mindset of, I'm a big ruler in Egypt. This is all he was doing from God. Um, he referenced Acts 2 and David, the second king of Israel. He knew that God placed him there. Um, and then you have Jesus, who knew his place with the Father. Um, and you can't, like, just not do good without relationship with the Father. Yes. It's not overnight that you just shun everything evil. It starts with the simple profession of faith, like mm-hmm. the baptism of Saul. And, um, yeah, Easter is really beautiful in that it recognizes that we need that relationship. Mm-hmm. The gospel is just, mm-hmm. you should never get over the gospel. Yeah, you can't get past it. So Paul writes in Romans 6, Therefore, we've been buried with him through baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of death, certainly we should be also in the likeness of his resurrection. So, Philip, you're onto something. The resurrection of Jesus should be expressed in our lives. Certainly, it's expressed by faith, certainly. Yeah. It's expressed. You ready? Can we get serious for a little bit? Can we do that? When resurrection life is in you, you have the ability to forgive your enemies. When resurrection life is in you, you have the ability to forgive your enemies. How do you know you're forgiven your enemies? <laughs> Genesis 50, 21, you can speak kindly to them and you can be comforting to them. You know, Chris, I, I'm just sitting here thinking about those brothers and what a heart check they are for, for me. Yeah. Just what you were just saying, because Joseph had done nothing to yeah. make them think <clears throat> Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And even right up to the last minute, they leveraged on him one more time. One more time. But I think when we look at someone else and we're expecting a certain reaction, yeah. when they've given us no reason yeah. to expect that, yeah. we kind of need to look inside. Oh, man. Yeah, we do. Yeah, you know, does the death and resurrection of Jesus... Is it making a difference in how we live our day-to-day lives? Or is it just a theory for us? Just religious data? Or is it literally something that has changed our lives? If it has changed us, it's going to express itself in how we treat people. In Revelation 1, John writes to the seven churches that are in Asia. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and is to come from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the
the firstborn of the dead. That's resurrection. And the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood. It's beautiful. We can know forgiveness. We can know what it means to be, to be cleansed. Paul writes and says that if you believe in your heart that Jesus rose from the grave and you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, you're born again. It's called faith. And it's not complicated at all. He can bring life out of dead things, including my heart and yours. Absolutely, chance. So, all right. Joseph said, hey, I'm exactly where God wants me to be. I'm in God's place. I'm in God's place. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to present uh, one little idea, and then I'm, I'm going to pray for you. When we resent the place we're in, okay, when we resent the place we're in, sometimes, not always, Hear me with grace. It's because there's a lesson that we're not learning. If God's got us in a specific place and that's where God wants us and we're upset with him about that, it may mean, not always, but it may mean there's something you need to learn and you're not listening. <laughs> you're, you're, you're pushing back on God. When if you would give in to what he's trying to accomplish inside of you, then maybe the place where you are is not so bad. And then once you learn that key thing, whatever it is, God may say, hey, I'm going to move you. I got some other place where I want you to be. And it's an amazing thing when you get there. Okay. All right. How you doing? You living out the resurrection? Are you in God's place? How you treat people reveals just how real the uh, the resurrection of Jesus is inside of us okay I want to pray we got some amazing songs and things can be beautiful uh, Abba Father thank you so much I love you thank you for the goodness of your son and that you've released us from our sins through the blood of your son what an unspeakable gift would you please bless because you are kind and good not because we deserve it we love you and we thank you in Jesus name amen